Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is dedicated in loving memory of Leo Tabelli, Alava Shalom, Lilui Nishmat Yehuda Ben Mazal, sponsored by his son Charlie Tabelli. Um, breakfast is also uh, sponsored and dedicated for Rifuah Shlema of Moshe Shalomo Rahmanan Ben Miriam, sponsored by his wife, his children, and his, and his family. Breakfast is also sponsored by Erica and Joe Dahan in memory of and Le'ilui Nishmatim of Irv and Dale Rosenthal, Alehem HaShalom. Rabutai, we are all aware that this holiday, the holiday of Yom HaKippurim, is a time that a person achieves some level of kapara, of forgiveness, for the Averot that he did. And the question that's asked by many is if that's the case, so potentially I should really, really be focused on the Averot that I did. The concept of a standardized vidui is a very strange idea. Let me give you an example as to what I mean by this. We all know that in order for a, a person to receive teshuvah for the for sins that they did between their man and their fellow man, they have an obligation to ask forgiveness, not just from God, but also from a person. So let me just explain how this works. The Torah tells you that it's forbidden to hurt another person, whether uh, in, in a physical sense, or using your words to hurt their feelings, or to uh, punch the guy in the face. Now let's say, it comes Yom Kippur, I want to get forgiveness for speaking Lashonara about someone, for spreading a rumor about their business, for saying something that might have caused them a problem. I remember, you know, you, sometimes you don't realize that the power uh, that our words can have. Someone is dating somebody, and you say to the guy, you're dating this person, I can't believe it, the guy's married. Meanwhile, the guy's not married. Uh, you don't know that he, gave, he got his, uh, his uh, divorce papers. The girl hears the guy's married. She says she don't want anything to do with it. The guy calls her up. He's sending her messages. What are you talking about? I'm not married. I got the guess. She says, I don't want to hear about it. Because she got the feeling that she was dating someone who was actually married. Meanwhile, there was no truth to it whatsoever. But you could have cost the guy uh, an entire marriage. You could have cost the guy uh, his, his life's happiness. Because you said something careless. You're not even sure. You weren't even... You know, you know, so now, what's the halakha? I come to this guy, Erev Yom Kippur, you know, and I say to him, please forgive me. Imagine the guy forgives me. He's a sadiq. He just says, okay, no problem. I forgive you. Is my teshuvah done? Absolutely not. Because to every single avera, there's two components. One is that I need to ask forgiveness from the person. But then, even if the guy forgave me, I still need to ask forgiveness for that sin from God. Because it's God's isur, it's God's commandment not to hurt another human being. Now, it is true, if you ask forgiveness from God and not the person, you also have a problem. Because you, don't, you haven't fulfilled both components of the avon. Okay, so assuming now, Erev Yom Kippurim, I need to ask forgiveness for this person. So we're all aware of this idea, we're all very, very confident, and we're all very, very capable, excuse me, of picking up a phone and saying, I'm sorry, I did wrong. We're capable of doing that. Does that mean you have to ask from every person you meet, Mechila, please forgive me, does, does a person have an obligation? Like today people like to do, they walk over to everybody that they met the whole year, there's no such obligation. Mechila, sorry, what's your name? Asha what? Al-Kobi. We met before? Yeah? Did I uh, hurt your feelings? Did I steal anything from you? I do not need to ask you for forgiveness before Yom Kippur. Unless I just embarrassed you, in which case, please forgive me. The point is, yeah, there's, I, there's no obligation. I, you know, he and I came to the class, he came to the synagogue, I saw him, we met him. Hazakum Baruch, there's nothing more than that. 
I have no obligation to run around asking forgiveness from every walking thing or posting messages on social media from everybody. I don't need to do that. I have to ask forgiveness from the people that I hurt. The same thing should be true with the Averot. If I know I didn't steal anything, why am I saying Gazalnu? Sorry? So one answer is that I have response that uh, collectively for the Jewish people, I'm saying Gazalnu. I'm not sure that that's correct. Although I am sure it is correct. I'm also not sure it's correct. Let me explain. If you're an emissary of the Jewish people, Hazaku Baruch, you're asking forgiveness for everybody. If you're praying for the Jewish people, if Gazalnu is a prayer, you could pray on behalf of everybody. How could I ask for forgiveness on behalf of everybody? How could I say Vidui, which means I'm sorry, I don't want to do this again on behalf of somebody. How could I do that? Now he happens also to be right. He happens also to be right. That we ask forgiveness, not for somebody else, but with somebody else. Can I, everyone understand the difference in vernacular? It's not that I'm saying, Hashem, Gazalnu, me and this guy we both stole, because I can't do vidui for you. If I'm a shaliach tzibur, I can. But on a regular, I can't do ask for forgiveness for you, right? But I could say together, as a tzibur, I stole. But because we're talking together, what do we say? We stole. That's the difference between doing teshuvah with the congregation and doing teshuvah for the congregation. But why in the world would I be asking for this forgiveness if I know I didn't steal anything? So I want to give you a couple different answers. Answer number one is, every single avon has multiple expressions of fulfilling that sin. I might not have stolen any money, but maybe I stole somebody's time. It's also a gezel. Maybe I woke somebody up. I wasn't careful on the train or on the plane. Gazano, I went to the guy. I said, woke him up. I said, we need you for a minyan in the back of the plane. Asur. Asur, who gave you permission? I'm sleeping. What do you want for my life? Because you want a minyan? You're allowed to steal my sleep? Who told you that? Gezel shina. Okay? So there's many different things that's considered gezela. So that's a second answer. But I think that there's a third answer as well. And I really want to focus on this concept. Okay? Aside from the snifim, the branches, if you will, of every of, of Avera, there's also another element here. <coughs> Everybody knows, in their heart of hearts, the things that are their main areas of needing to work on, focus of responsibility to do Teshuvah on Yom Kippur. We all know them. Other people might not, but we know our own hearts. We know what we need to do. The challenge is something very simple, and it's a conversation I had with somebody yesterday. Guy comes to me and he says, Rabbi, you know, the prayer of the Yom, of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, I was talking about in a class, is very short. He says, how come we don't have very short prayers all year round? Shacharit should be like, you know, we should say one prayer, Shacharit. I said, it's an excellent question. He said, wouldn't we have more kavana? I said, absolutely. He said, so why do we have to pray for an hour every morning? We should just say, Hashem, please help me. I said, that's an excellent question. I said, has your wife ever asked you to stay home from work? He says, yeah. I said, did you? He said, no, what do you mean? I have buyers, I have suppliers, people calling the thing. I have to check the building. I need to run here. I need to do this. I need to do that. I said, so what do you tell your wife? I say, I'm sorry, honey. I don't think you understand. I have all this stuff going on. I can't just take off. All these things are very, very important. I said, what if she tells you two hours, three hours? Don't go stay all day. Three hours from the day. Just take off. Let's go for an extended lunch. 
Guy says, no, what do you mean? There's all these things. I said, that's because it's obvious to you that all of these things are very important. But it's not obvious to you that prayer is what brings you all of that parnasah. In the tefillah, you ask for health and wealth and what's it called? And teshuvah and brains. And I said, okay, so which one you want to cut out? You don't have time for health? Let's cut that one. Should we cut that one? He goes, no, Rabbi, but that's the Amidah. Like all the stuff before. Yeah, thank Hashem, I praise you for this, praise you for that. I said, again, I said, imagine you had an audience with President Trump. You're going to walk in and say, I want this, I want this, I want this. First you're going to say, thank you so much for being a friend to Israel. That's what you'd say, right? Thank you for moving the embassy. That's what you should say. You're going to say thank you for whatever you're going to say thank you for. And once you said thank you, then you might want to ask, you know, but there's some other things I still need. If it's at all pop, all of the prayers before the Amidah, what are they? They're Sheva. You say thank you. You I pray you that. Yeah, that's a great one to pray for. Right? So that and then after you finish praying for the things that you need, what do you say? You have the things afterwards. We're modeling it on a really important conversation. Now imagine you have a long list of requests in your in your presidential meeting, and someone says, Look, I know it's very nice, but maybe we should keep it very short. Maybe President Trump doesn't have a very long attention span. You ask for ten things, it's not gonna get let's just ask for one thing. I say, Yeah, but I need nine more things. Rabotai, the same thing is true of our list of sins as well. There's a lot of things that are constantly on our mind, and the averot that are constantly on our mind is because of the impact and effect that they have on our day-to-day life. That doesn't mean that there's not a bunch of different things that we're also doing wrong without even ever thinking about them. Can I give you an example? I'm sure there's things that you feel guilty about, like if you did something that wasn't honest. Aziz, you see the person maybe that you weren't so honest with, you got the better of him in a deal, you see him every Shabbat, you feel a little bit guilty. Or maybe as an example, uh, you know, you yell, you have a problem with anger, you see your children, every time after you finish yelling, you see their faces, you feel bad after. Anyone here ever felt bad about the fact that someone came to them and asked them for a piece of advice? And maybe you didn't give the guy the best advice. For you, it was just a conversation. For him, it was his livelihood, it was his relationships. It was getting his kids into school. So when someone comes in, what do you think I should do? We don't take that seriously. Ya'atznu etzotra'ot. We're asking for forgiveness for that. Isn't that magnificent? We're saying to Hashem, I did not take someone else's problems seriously. You know how you feel when you go ask someone advice? You're drowning, you're clutching at straws. You're willing to admit your vulnerability to everybody because you hope that someone might have a better idea than you have as to what to do to the situation. I didn't treat the needs of my friends the way I have my own need. There's an amazing story about the son, about the, excuse me, about, I think it was one of the, one of the Arbachs. His father passed away and he's crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. Okay? And they came to him and they said, look, you're crying, but he was very old. He did all the mitzvot in the Torah. He was a gadol. You know, you're crying excessively. He says, I'm not crying about the fact that my father died. He says, what are you, why, why are you crying then? He says, you know, all this time, he says, I like to think of myself as a sensitive soul. I feel the pain of other people. He says, but when I lost my own father, I realized that all those times that I went to Shiva and I tried to be there and feel what the other person was going through when they lost their father, I wasn't scratching the surface 
pain that I feel in my own scenario is so much bigger. I'm crying over the fact that I was living delusionally over, over the way I cared for and felt empathy for others. That's what we're saying. When we go through this checklist and we talk about all the various elements, a lot of times there's elements in our character that we didn't even realize that were present. Going through all those things. Now, if you look at it, I mean, the numbers are, are off the charts. When do we say, When do we say it? We say, I'm saying for on Yom Kippur, in connection with Yom Kippur. Mincha, Arbit, right? Shachri, Musaf, Mincha, Neila, right? Six times. Six times, how many letters of the alphabet? 22. So you're talking about 132, what is that? 132? Yeah? 132 times you did this over Yom Kippur. Now let's add the Al-Hayt. The Al-Hayt goes through all the Hebrew letters of the alphabet, right? And it goes then reverse. So Aleph through Taf, then Taf through Aleph. How many is that? Another? 44. So that's two more times the same number. So we're talking about, again, times all of those tefillot. So you're talking about at the very least, you're talking about how many? What are we up to? So 132 plus 132 plus 132. How much are we at? Right? Almost 400 times. Then you forgot about the fact that we do in the evening the viduya gadol of uh, of Rabbeinu of Rabbeinu Yisim, which on each one on each on Aleph there's twenty, on Bet there's another twenty. Remember that? Achanu ma'achalot asurot, achanu Right? Each one of them has twenty. So you're talking about another how many twenty times tw- you know twenty two another four hundred forty. So how, you're sitting there on this. You're saying you never said sorry so much in your life. In one day you're saying sorry, nearly eight hundred times. <coughs> if there's ever a thing that has the potential to knock down the, hu- the male ego, that's got to be it. To say sorry 800 times in one day? Some people say, Rabbi, you don't know my wife, that's every day. But either way, do you understand? 800 times. Why do we do that? We go through the entire list because it gives us a chance to reflect and to recognize some way in which I have guilt on that Avon. And you know what? Even if I don't, <coughs> Even if I don't, if I sat across from you at breakfast and you didn't make a beracha, and I had a chance, knowing after seeing you at breakfast not making a beracha every day, either to say something gently to you, or if I know that you're not going to do it, I say to you, oh, I'm going to make the beracha, just say amen, and then you got the beracha for your bagel as well. Baruch Then I have to say, Achanu b'li beracha. Because on every mitzvah in the Torah, aside from the mitzvah itself, there's also the responsibility that I have for your avon. So going back to what you said earlier, even though I can't ask forgiveness for yours, but I can ask forgiveness for any of your averot that I had a chance to be able to influence. Now you're thinking to yourself, oh, you know what? Anyway, they weren't going to listen. Anyway, if I would have said something to my wife, she would have whacked me. You know, if I would have said something to my children, they're not going to take it. And that might very well be true. But if you were here on Tisha B'Av, we quoted the Gemara, where the Gemara said, and this will end, the Gemara says, in the time of the Khurban, uh, the Midat Hadin came before God and said, everybody here deserves to be punished. They're all deserving of uh, Rahman al 
of the death penalty in the, in the worst, you know, in the time, the worst time of Khurban. And God said, what are you talking about? There's Sadiqim here, great Sadiqim. Who's calling them Sadiqim? God himself, not me, not my Sadiq. You know that joke. This Jewish guy comes back to his wife, his mom, after enlisting in the U.S. Army. And he says, Ma, you know, I'm a sergeant in the Army. She says, ooh, a sergeant. He says, I'm a sergeant. So he's telling her about this, about this. She says, she says, Boychik, you know, the old great Jewish grandma. She, but Boychik calmed down. She says, by you, you're a sergeant. By me, you're a sergeant. By your dad, you're a sergeant. He goes, but by a sergeant, you're no sergeant. You understand what I mean? So for us, you know, how many soldiers do we have in our community in the Amer American army? So for us, wow, yeah, you know. But as an example, but, but by that standard, who calls this guy a sadiq? Hashem says he's a sadiq. Says the Midat Adin, still, I want to write on their forehead a taf, it says, the letter taf, in blood, that that's going to be a sign for the Malach HaMavet, that this is a guy he could go collect. Hashem says, no, you got to write it in Dior, in ink, as a sign that he's camped, because the guy's a sadiq. Midat Adin says to God, what do you mean? But they, even though they were perfect, perfect, they have all these people around them that are doing sins. They should have said something. They should have influenced them. They could have done something. God answers the Midat Adin. He says, It is revealed and known before me that even if they would have said something, or they would have made a class, or they would have put out a bulletin, or they would have, they, the people wouldn't have listened anyway. Hashem says, I know, I know, no, it wouldn't have helped. Midat Adin says to God, yes, you know that it would have helped. But could they have known that it wouldn't have helped? They don't have your knowledge, God. They couldn't have known. And therefore, they're culpable. And God is forced, so to speak, to allow Midat Adin to collect the debt. It's a frightening Gemara. How do we know if we don't try to influence, to better, to study with someone, to encourage someone? How do you know? Yesterday in the synagogue, we had uh, a person doing shatnez testing. Many people in the kihila, they didn't know really what shatnez was. They heard about it once upon a time, maybe, but they're not, they weren't exactly sure what it was, when it was. I can't buy a woolen linen suit. They didn't realize that there might be in the collar or there might be in the shoulder pads, or there might be in the, in the canvas lining. A guy told me once, he said, Rabbi, why do I need to check this jacket? It's, uh, it's cotton. I said, Rohi, the wool jacket is 100% wool. You know that it's 100% wool. Most often we're not checking for the material of the jacket. You're checking for the material of the lining, or the canvas inside that gives it the form, or the shoulder pads, or the uh, little felt bit that's here underneath, on, underneath the collar to give it. That's what you're checking for. So someone came and they sponsored the Shatnez testing here for free in the synagogue. Had they were supposed to come from 8 until 11, the guy. He was here all day. He checked yesterday 81 suits. And not only that, three people asked him afterwards or on another occasion after today or tomorrow to come specifically to the house so they could check their whole house. Why did 81 people check their suits, 81 suits checked? And why is this guy going all day to three or four or five people's houses in our community? Why? Because someone said, let me make it easy and accessible 
to the people in the community. What a zikhut that is. So you have people, what are they thinking? Ah, no one's going to care if I say anything. No one's going to care if I tell, talk to them about it. This is not the type of community. He's not that type of guy. He didn't go to yeshiva. He's not, she's not like this. He's not like that. Do you know? Are you God? Just make the effort. Look at what a zikhut this guy had right before Yom Kippur. Unbelievable. What would happen if you sponsored a, uh, I don't know, lulav uh, etrog set for everybody, or you made it cheap enough that people couldn't say no? What would happen? Would people do misvot? One of the things we have to think about, Rabotai, is very important. One of the things we have to think about is our brothers and sisters, our wives and children, okay? They have a soul inside which gets covered over by things. All it takes sometimes is you need to pull out a thread. Imagine you have a blanket covering a source of light. The room is pitch black. You take one thread from the corner of the blanket and you pull it. As you pull the thread in one corner, what happens? Across the whole width of the blanket, you have a line like this that's now empty. A little bit of light pokes through. You pull on another thread, what happens? Another shaft of light. Suddenly, the nishama is illuminated. A big part of what we have to do on Yom Kippur, especially people here are the people that are coming to shul every day. People listening to this are people listening to Torah every day in their lives. What a beautiful commitment. But there's other people maybe you could forward the class to if you think it's appropriate. There's other people that you could share the idea with if it's appropriate. There's other people maybe that perhaps if you gave them that encouraging thing, you slung your arm around them, you tell them let's go to shul together, let's go to do a minyan, let's have a class, let's do something in the office. If you took that initiative, something beautiful might happen. And I wish and I hope and I bless that instead of us having to say, we gave bad advice or bad ideas, that we should be zocher in this coming year to say to God with a full and open heart, we gave good etzot. We gave good ideas. Why don't you do this in your father's memory? You know, why don't you celebrate Refuah in this way? Why don't you deliver this care package to somebody in the hospital? Why don't you go visit with someone who needs a pick-me-up? What a beautiful thing. We should be zochebe'ezat Hashem to be sources of light for all those around us. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen